A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of the Lost Crimes Library podcast. I appreciate and value the support you all show me every week, and I wanted to give you all a bonus audio-only exclusive episode. This podcast started out only as an audio version, and I want to thank you for showing up for me every week to support me in what I do on this podcast. This bonus episode will not be available for anyone else, not on YouTube and not on Patreon. It's just for the Apple and Spotify family. So again, thank you for always supporting me. Today's episode contains discussions of some triggering and upsetting topics like racism, discrimination, and identity-based violence. Today we have the story of Isaiah Nixon, a World War II veteran and active NAACP member who was murdered in Montgomery County, Georgia in 1948. Over 75 years later, Isaiah Nixon and his family have not received justice, and his case is at risk of being forgotten forever. On September 8, 1948, the Nixon family was settling in with the recent addition to their family. 25-year-old Sally Nixon was at home on bed rest because she had just given birth to her sixth child only a few days earlier. Sally and her husband Isaiah Nixon, as well as their six children, lived on a 68-acre farm in Montgomery County, Georgia, approximately three hours south of Atlanta. The Nixon family lived in a large house with a dirt yard. They lived on a farm, and that was how the family made their living, through raising livestock and farming tobacco, cotton, and apples. For generations, Isaiah Nixon's mother, Daisy Davis, and her family owned the home and surrounding land. In September of 1948, Isaiah and Sally Nixon's six-year-old daughter named Dorothy enjoyed growing up on the farm. She would excitedly join her father and siblings on trips into town. They would take a mule-drawn wagon, and before heading home, her father, Isaiah, would treat Dorothy to a sweet peppermint candy. Two and a half miles away from the Nixon farm lived Dover Carter. For about 18 years, Dover Carter and Isaiah Nixon lived a similar lifestyle, working their farms in Montgomery County, Georgia. In 1946, Dover Carter founded the Montgomery County branch of the NAACP. In 1948, Carter was a 41-year-old father of 10, and he served as the NAACP's president in that same year. 
Under Carter's leadership, between 500 and 600 Black people registered to vote, including Isaiah and Sally Nixon. The implementation and execution of the Montgomery County NAACP chapter's voter registration drives made Dover Carter a major target for whites. At the time, there were certain whites who went through great efforts to limit the Democratic Party only to white voters. However, in the past, this effort had failed twice in the Supreme Court, and so whites in the area were really determined to make sure blacks didn't vote. After visiting Atlanta in November 1948, NAACP Assistant Special Counsel Franklin H. Williams sent a memo to NAACP national leadership, reporting that Carter had received threats of beatings and death after his initial success in registering black voters in 1946. While campaigning for a fourth term as governor in 1946, the populist and white supremacist Eugene Talmadge had threatened black Americans by saying, quote, wise Negroes will stay away from white folks' ballot boxes, end quote. And after analyzing Georgia's 1946 election, political scientist Joseph L. Burned determined Gene Talmadge would not have won without the intimidation campaign against black Americans casting their ballots. One victim of this intimidation campaign was black World War II veteran Maceo Snipes. He knew the Taylor County KKK had warned against black people voting in the 1946 primary, but he cast his ballot anyway. Three days later, the white men murdered Snipes in front of his home. One week after Eugene Talmadge's 1946 victory, white men killed two couples near Moore's Ford Bridge in Walton County, Georgia. In the following weeks, three more lynchings were reported. Journalist Tom O'Connor of PM Magazine wrote that Talmadge's victory signaled open season on Black Americans. So, as you can see, there was this pattern of whites in power threatening the Black community not to vote, and murdering Black people who chose to go to ballot boxes. And of course, for some Black Americans, this tactic worked. They wanted to protect themselves and their families, and so taking the risk of casting a vote didn't seem worth it. But for other Black Americans, these threats only signaled how much whites were fearful of Black people using their right to vote. And this evident fear from whites only strengthened the resolve for Black citizens to vote despite the threats and fears that loomed. Before Gene Talmadge could take office, he died. And this threw Georgia politics into pandemonium. During this politically anxious time, many men were ready to step up and assume the position of governor. The incumbent governor, Ellis Arnold, vowed to stay in office until his successor could be determined. The lieutenant governor-elect, Melvin E. Thompson, said that with the governor-elect dead, he would become governor the minute he was sworn in as lieutenant governor. However, Talmadge's son, Herman, chimed in saying he was the rightful heir. He claimed that because Talmadge's team, anticipating Gene might die, had arranged for many people to write his son's name, Herman Talmadge, on the 1946 ballot. The legislature actually went through a process of electing Herman Talmadge governor. However, the state Supreme Court ruled this decision as illegal when it decided Thompson should serve until a new election could be held in 1948 for the final two years of the 1946 to 1950 term. Anticipating the 1948 election, KKK Grand Dragon Dr. Samuel Green enlightened his followers that their mission was, was to ensure the election of Gene Talmadge's son, Herman Talmadge over Thompson as the Democratic Party's gubernatorial candidate. Herman Talmadge shared Dr. Green's belief that, quote, 
God himself segregated the races, end quote, and campaigned on a platform of white supremacy. Under Green's leadership, the Georgia Klan targeted black advocates of racial change like Dover Carter, Isaiah Nixon, and John Harris. They also deterred black voters by sending threatening letters and placing miniature coffins on the porches of black homes. This predatory activity was especially common in the Black Belt, where preventing the black vote by whatever means necessary was critical to maintaining white supremacy. Making it harder, even impossible, for black people to vote was the name of the game. Whites knew that if blacks used their vote, they could make real advancements and change in legislation. If black Americans freely took part in the political process across the United States, it would cause real trouble for whites. Black Americans' voting power would curtail legal, political, economic, educational, and social barriers to freedom and equality. For example, in 1946, black voters in Brunswick, Georgia, publicly endorsed and successfully elected candidates who promised advancements towards equal justice and improved employment. One week before the election, Klansman Samuel W. Roper asked gubernatorial candidate Herman Talmadge for his thoughts on the best method of keeping black Americans from voting. In response, Talmadge wrote one word on a scrap of paper. Pistols. The threats against Dover Carter became reality on the day of the Democratic gubernatorial primary. On September 8, 1948, when Carter was shuttling black voters to the polls, two white men, Thomas Jefferson Wilson and Johnny Johnson, blocked Carter's car and attacked him. As Thomas Wilson pointed his shotgun at Carter, Johnny Johnson beat Carter until his head was bloody. This attack didn't stop Carter from voting, though. He still voted in the Democratic primary. But after casting his vote, Carter immediately fled to Philadelphia. Along with Carter, many other black people who were threatened with violence casted their votes as well, including a man named John D. Harris. Mr. Harris was a black man who was warned directly by the sheriff-elect W. Claude Sharp not to vote that day. In defiance of the ongoing intimidation, Sally and Isaiah Nixon still casted their votes as well on September 8, 1948. But what happened after committing such a defiant act would alter the Nixon family forever. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. After casting his vote, Isaiah Nixon returned home. He returned to the farm to find his six-year-old daughter, Dorothy, gathering vegetables for supper. As Isaiah Nixon was being greeted by his family, Dorothy and her grandmother heard a car approaching the house. There were two white men calling out for Isaiah. Dorothy followed her grandmother to the front of the house to see what all the commotion was about. At the front of the house, on the steps, sat Dorothy's younger sister. Interested in what was happening between the adults, the two young girls sat on the front steps and watched. The two white men who approached the Nixon home that evening were Jim A. Johnson and Johnny Johnson. During the confrontation with Isaiah Nixon, the two white men ordered Isaiah to get in the car with them for a ride. But Isaiah refused, sure of what his fate would be if he went with them. When Isaiah refused, Jim Johnson shot Isaiah Nixon three times in front of his entire family. Reports of Isaiah Nixon's murder traveled quickly. Isaiah's death was a subject of widespread media commentary at the time. The editorial board of the Ledger Inquirer issued a statement urging a complete investigation into the incident. And one article, which was originally published in the St. Louis Star-Times, said that, quote, all persons' right to vote is endangered when Isaiah Nixon is killed for voting, end quote. And, of course, the NAACP was alerted to the case. So they called for appropriate action and a thorough investigation. On September 11, 1948, a few days after the murder, the Atlanta Constitution published an Associated Press report from Mount Vernon, Georgia, containing a statement from Montgomery County Sheriff R.M. McCrimmon, which said, quote, Isaiah Nixon insisted on his right to vote after being advised not to do so. And as a result, Jim A. Johnson shot Nixon on September 8th, end quote. The two Johnson brothers were quickly arrested and charged by a local grand jury one with murder and the other with being an accessory to murder. As you can guess, the investigation into Isaiah Nixon's murder was not really an investigation. At least, it wasn't the investigation that we would expect from today's standards. Instead, the investigation and subsequent trial was more for show. The investigation into the murder revealed that the Johnson brothers had grown up near the Nixons and were actually well known to the family. On that fateful September evening, Johnny Johnson arrived at the Nixon farm with a shotgun, and his brother Jim A. Johnson carried a pistol with him. 
Then Jim A. Johnson called up to the Nixon's house, demanding Isaiah Nixon come outside. When Isaiah stepped onto the porch, Jim A. Johnson asked him how he voted that day, and Isaiah replied, quote, I guess I voted for Mr. Thompson, end quote. And if you remember, Mr. Thompson was the opponent of who the KKK was supporting at the time. After hearing his answer, the Johnson brothers demanded Isaiah Nixon get into their car. As we know, Isaiah refused. In fact, he didn't even move from where he stood. So Johnny Johnson aimed his shotgun towards the house, and Jim A. Johnson aimed his pistol at Isaiah. Then Jim fired his first shot into Isaiah's stomach. Dorothy, who was still sitting on the steps when all this went down, heard her mother come out of the house yelling, quote, Fall, Isaiah, fall. And what Sally Nixon did next to me just exemplifies the strength so many black women tap into when we have no other choice. Sally sprang into action after the Johnson brothers drove off. She carried her husband up the porch steps and into the house. She arranged for a taxi to transport Isaiah to Claxton Hospital in Dublin, Lawrence County, Georgia. But sadly, Isaiah Nixon passed away two days later. He died of a gunshot wound of the abdomen and perforations of the liver, stomach, small intestines, and kidney. The Johnsons remained in jail without bond until their trial on November 4, 1948. While the Johnsons awaited trial, the Nixon family buried Isaiah's body in a remote cemetery in the woods. Soon after the burial, the traumatized Nixon family fled to Jacksonville, Florida, to escape the aftermath of Isaiah's murder in the upcoming trial. Sally Nixon and Daisy Davis, Isaiah's mother, doubted the Johnsons were going to be held accountable for killing Isaiah. Dorothy Nixon Williams recalled Davis asserting that in 1948, two white men were not going to be convicted of killing a black man. So the family fled to Florida without waiting for the results of the trial. The Johnson brothers were tried in November 1948. The prosecution was assisted by a lawyer from the NAACP and claimed that the brothers had visited Nixon with the intent to kill him for voting in the election. However, the Johnsons said they acted in self-defense. Their story was that they had visited Isaiah Nixon to discuss employing him and that J.A. Johnson had shot Isaiah in self-defense after he attacked them with a knife. It had been reported that there was never any evidence presented during trial that proved Isaiah Nixon voted on the day of the murder. Unfortunately, I think we all know the end result of the trial. After a three-hour trial, the Johnson brothers were acquitted of the crime by an all-white jury, and the prosecutor decided not to pursue the case against the brother. A transcript of the trial is not available, but the court record states, Jim A. Johnson was tried first and found not guilty. Then, the judge called a conference of the three prosecuting attorneys, during which they unanimously agreed that the prosecution had presented their strongest case first, and quote, there was no need to present a case against Johnny Johnson, end quote. Despite countless press releases, newspaper articles, legal aid collection drives, and letters to the Department of Justice calling for a bona fide prosecution of the Johnsons, there was never any justice for Isaiah Nixon. Benjamin Mays, a prominent Baptist minister and president of Morehouse College, claimed that Isaiah Nixon, quote-unquote, never had a chance, and that his killers would not face justice. Years after the murder, Daisy Davis, Isaiah's mother, told adolescent Dorothy Nixon that when her father cast his ballot, quote, he stepped over the line, end quote. And for that, Isaiah Nixon lost his life. 
Isaiah Nixon's murder was cited in the 1951 petition We Charge Genocide, which accused the United States of engaging in genocide against this African-American population. In the years that followed the murder, Isaiah Nixon's legacy wasn't easily extinguished. In a show of support, a group of Pittsburgh businessmen started a fund for Isaiah Nixon's family, which raised several thousand dollars and was promoted by opera singer Carol Bryce. Isaiah's widow Sally even attempted to meet with Georgia Representative John Stevens Wood to discuss racial violence. However, it is unclear if any meeting ever took place. Even decades later, in the 21st century, Isaiah Nixon's death was the subject of the first season of the podcast Buried Truths, which won a Peabody Award for, quote, forcing listeners to confront what previous generations had sought to repress, end quote. Over time, Isaiah Nixon's grave in Georgia became covered in dirt, leaves, and fallen branches. Sadly, decades later, when the family could finally return to the cemetery, they could not find his gravesite. In 2015, Emory University's Georgia Civil Rights Cold Case Project investigated Isaiah Nixon's killing, and they concluded that his murder was racially motivated and that his killers were wrongfully acquitted. They also located Isaiah's burial site, which had previously eluded his family. In November 2015, after meeting with Isaiah Nixon's daughter, Dorothy Nixon Williams, who was only six when she saw her father gunned down, Students in the Georgia Civil Rights Cold Cases class at Emory University drove three hours, visited the cemetery, began walking the grounds, and finally found Isaiah's burial place. It turned out to be an unmarked grave on the outskirts of Uvalde's Old Salem Cemetery. His grave had been unknown for 67 years. In January 2016, Dorothy Nixon Williams invited the students to join her in her first visit to the cemetery since their discovery. When she saw her father's name etched in cement for the first time in 67 years, she kneeled down to run her fingers across his name. Then she spoke a few words in his honor. If you want to listen to Mrs. Williams speaking about recovering her father's gravesite, there will be a link in the show notes. The cold case of Isaiah Nixon is heartbreaking. The investigation and trial was inequitable and a mockery of the tragedy that struck the Nixon family. Isaiah's story is sadly a story of so many other black men and women during that era. It's the story of flagrant injustice, and I get that his murder took place during a different time, and so during that time, justice was never expected. However, the fact that there has never been justice after so many decades is infuriating. There needs to be some sort of justice for how much the Nixon family was wronged. Maybe the killers are no longer alive, but the Nixon family deserves to have the case closed. His killers should be named. The family deserves some sort of compensation for how the court system and justice system failed them. Now that time has revealed all the ways in which this country has failed its black citizens, it's only appropriate and equitable to right those wrongs any way the U.S. government can. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.